Allow. Couldn't match that. I don't want to do this for a long period of time. But you can see this is a resting for him. It's demeaning. I mean, he's rolled over in poo. <laughs> I flip a goat. <laughs> Pretty much. All right. Okay. So, yeah, I guess with that drop, let's, let's get on with it. Yeah, what's on the docket? Come on. Um, I finished Fall or Dodge in Hell. The right. Book the book. Neil Stevenson. Mm -hmm. And we talked about it a little bit, but the primary takeaway that I had from the book was a coordinated disinformation campaign, I think, could convince people of almost anything. Yeah. You know, like I've thought about, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard the apocryphal story. I, I think it's apocryphal. I don't know if it's been verified of War of the Worlds, Orson Welles doing right. a radio program of War of the Worlds and people freaked out because they thought there was a legitimate uh, alien attack. Yeah. And I remember my first reaction being like, ha, you know, convinced people of anything back in the old days you know and right. no one knew any better same idea as one of the first movies was the train driving towards the screen yeah, and people yeah. flipping out and there's always that idea of like yokels yeah. simpletons and meanwhile here we are and i'm seeing even amongst the people who i feel like should know better mm -hmm. are still people who are like listen just Get back in the office. Do the work. I don't want to adjust anything. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. You're like, no, there's like a real pandemic going on that will change things. How's it going to change my workspace? Or how's it going to change this industry? Mm -hmm. And the response is basically like, J we're just going to ignore it until we don't don't have to. Yeah. Like, that's the prevailing mindset. I'm like, with that, with that mindset, I think we're... You know, you can't make a statement like we're more gullible today than we were back then. But um, I think that you could get people to believe some pretty crazy things and have some pretty wide-reaching effects with a coordinated disinformation campaign that was targeting more than just like, an, you know, an, an election. Yeah. Well, and I think the comparison would be that the if you want to make the comparison, the comparison would be a year later, those people are going to the same movie theater and still getting scared by the same train. You know what I mean? <laughs> like they're not, a, they haven't adapted at all. Yeah. They're just, their brains just reset as soon reset. as they walk out of the theater. They leave the dark room. They forget what just happened. They go in. Oh, Hey, here's a cool room for me to spend a few hours in. I'll, I'll walk in here, see a train and then, you know, poop themselves. Yeah. Again. Yeah. I, I guess my feeling has always been that's what it would come to for America. Just because that's, you know, half of our country is uh, at this point kind of prides themselves on their ignorance yeah. or their stubbornness, you know? So it's kind of like, what can you do about it? It's just at this point, it's just like, I'm going to do what I can do. I'm going to do the best that's for my family. And outside of that, it's like what, you know what I mean? You've got half of our population who are just, it's just going to be a more dangerous flu season for them. Yeah. And expanding beyond that in the book, there's a disinformation campaign saying that a small town in Utah had a nuclear bomb dropped on it. Mm -hmm. and it didn't really happen, but a bunch of social media posts go out showing, like, video of a mushroom cloud. People say it's over Utah, and then some people pick up the story and believe it. And I feel like we've been primed where there's already so much disinformation. Like, people build 
whole careers now out of open disinformation. Yeah. Just openly twisting facts, mm. not even trying to hold themselves ac- accountable. And I feel like we've been primed because of that for something to to come that's even, you know, th- that would even push it farther in a specific area. Because I also don't want to minimize the fact that I do think disinformation campaigns happening right now on, let's just, because we talked about COVID, let's say COVID uh, has cost lives. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't want to make it sound like it's a hypothetical that there's a disinformation yeah. campaign that would actually cost human lives because I think it has. Um, but that you could target it and create specific hysteria with a, again, a coordinated um, campaign. Mm-hmm. And part of me anticipates it while also trying to move away from being somebody who uh, doesn't hope for those things. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it's that whole uh, issue of like Christians who look for like the second coming or like the rapture mm-hmm. who secretly because of their hope in the second coming are, are also pretty okay with millions of people dying. Right. Because in their minds, that is heralding. Just one step closer. This, exactly. Exactly. Like, I don't want to be one of those people who's like, <laughs> I'm anticipating this horrible disinformation campaign and I secretly want it. Yeah. Um, but you, you, you see how we're, we're primed to be impacted by. Mm. Yeah. Somebody who, actually wants to do harm and harnesses all of this disinformation. Yeah. So did you end up liking that book or not? I I have to say it it definitely it's interesting. That was the book about the guy whose brain gets uploaded or whatever, right? Yes. That's the same thing, right? But yeah, but it's the same thing where the book is about a lot. Yeah. Right? There's a lot crammed in there. And I have to say, in the end, it turns into kind of like a, almost like a science fiction fantasy adventure, almost. And I wasn't as interested, honestly, in that piece, Mm. even, even as I recognized it as, you know, well told and interesting, uh, I was more engaged with the um, kind of future social aspects of the story. What was it called again? Dodge? Fall or Dodge in Hell by Neil Stevenson. Mm -hmm. Also, there are elements of it where I think I overlooked a lot of it when I was younger and just reading books and just enjoying, you know, enjoying writing where this author's really smart and sometimes really clever writing and and smart uh, smart authors can cover a lot of kind of stupidity and mm-hmm. there, there are moments where in this i was like is this just a well-written like trope is, is this just a well-written stereotype or like in the hands of somebody lesser would i be throwing this book out the window and being like i'm not reading this trash yeah, but in the hands of Neil Stevenson, he can make that sound like, oh, well, my my my, what what clever wording and and writing to cover mm. up such a terrible character, um, but yeah, I ended up enjoying it, even though I I don't have, um, you know, probably won't have lasting impacts of that. Yeah. You got anything? Um, no, just a lot of trashy true crime shows. You're and, hitting your limit, huh? And the show. I think I am starting to get to my limit again, which is the limit of this is just too depressing. Of that, true that, crime, because you've that, just been like right that that real people do these things to each other. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? It just is. It's too much. It's. It gets to be where it's just as like, 
it makes you terrified of the world. It makes you terrified of everyone around you and like where you live. And it's just is like, makes you paranoid. I feel like. So speaking of, uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about episode one of exterminate all the brutes. Okay. How many, there's four four episodes. How many have you watched? One. You've only watched the first one. Okay. That's all I've seen too. I was, I was kind of, once you kind of agreed to watch it, I, I, Paused. Okay. I, I decided to wait. I wanted to start. Um, you know, again, I think this is going to be maybe an ongoing discussion. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I don't want to cover everything. Obviously, we'll, we'll probably just talk about episode one, but I wanted to start with some letterboxed reviews. Okay. So, I'm a I'm a user of letterboxed, and I decided to go on there to see because. Stuff like Exterminate All the Brutes, which is a documentary on HBO, tend to be, you know, that in like the, the latest Adam Curtis documentary right. series, Can't Get You Out of My Head, they, they seem to just kind of pass by, right? And even with people that I follow who are always complaining about Marvel movies and the oversimplification of cinema today mm-hmm. and blah, 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 blah. Also seem to not really pay attention to documentaries like this mm-hmm. or like the Adam Curtis stuff, which to me on a base level is at least trying something. Like if, if you are truly burnt out at the basic nature of Hollywood today, mm-hmm. then watch Adam Curtis and exterminate all the brutes and then write about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I want to go on your website and read that. I don't want to read another treatise about here's why four Marvel movies this summer is the death of cinema. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like write a good piece on exterminate all the brutes. Yeah, then. sure. Yeah. I see what you're saying. Um, and so I just wanted to see what people were talking. Cause again, none of this, even with the people that I follow, are really talking about exterminate all the brutes and and Mm -hmm. Adam Curtis stuff. So I decided to jump on Letterbox and I found, I found these people Mm -hmm. and they are the insufferable people who watch stuff like exterminate all the brutes. And these are largely negative takes. Okay. And I wanted to read some to you and then get your reaction. All right. Now, are these reactions specifically, are these limited to the first episode or this is just a series thing? One of them is. Okay. And then, and then the other two are series. But, so, but what I'm saying is on Letterboxd, is it a review for the whole series uh, or is it per episode? I think it's the whole series. Okay. Yeah. Um, now, if you're going to, what what's the podcasting etiquette? Um, when you're going to read somebody's writing off the internet, largely uh-huh. to kind of make fun of it, do you credit them? Or do you yeah, leave sure, their do you leave their name off? So I mean it's probably it's just a username anyways. You just, you just anonymous well these are their I, I grabbed their letterbox usernames. Uh-huh. But I don't know if that's like what's you know? Yeah. Yeah, just give their letterbox username. Well, yeah. You're not doxing them. Yeah. So I know I, I just it just felt like um you know what, what if in five years, they delete this, and they're like, I was an idiot. And then for all well, time. We'll have to, you know. So here's a review by Maybe Arthur. Maybe they'll have to think think twice about posting anything <laughs> in the future. <laughs> Arthur Slugworth. They, okay. they say, two scattershot with reenactments and PowerPoint <clears throat> to be a focused documentary. Too honest to be propaganda and too busy and surface level to signal any investigation. Exterminate All the Brutes is a poison pen letter of mixed media, a directed diatribe without subtlety or organization towards the generational agents of mass oppression. Okay. So to me, this this review is the person who says... This person is too angry at cultural genocide in mm-hmm. this documentary. I mean, the lack of subtlety is 
kind of the point. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm saying. Yeah. <laughs> like, like to me, this is like the person who, after showing, like, again, of a, a, a documentary that's meant to confront you. Yeah. Then, like, right. crosses their legs, and after everybody said, like, well, I mean, that was brutal, they just go... He was a bit angry, though, wasn't he? <laughs> Did anybody else get? He's a little, a little yeah. too angry. I, yeah. I wish he would have sat back and stuck a pipe in his mouth and yeah. just kind of walked me through it. Yeah, like a poison pen letter of mixed media directed diatribe without subtlety or organization. I'm like, yeah, the dude's pissed off and angry. Yeah, and it speaks to one one point that I guess I'll get to later on. Here's another review, Greg. Swick. And this one's kind of long, but I think this paints a picture of who this person is. Okay. You'll know exactly who they are. Talk to them. Yeah. When I worked for the Film Society of Lincoln Center, Ugh. parentheses, now called Film at Lincoln Center, which is stupid. <laughs> Wait a minute. Does it actually say which is stupid? <laughs> which is stupid. <laughs> they wanted to sound less elitist, which is also stupid. <laughs> Since the Walter Reed was, is the best theater in Manhattan. Okay, this guy. A co-worker, exactly. I've already had enough of this exactly. guy. <laughs> A co-worker asked if I had seen I Am Not Your Negro, which was Raul Peck's right. last documentary right, yeah. about James Baldwin. And I told them it was fine. They pressed. I said it wasn't particularly interesting as a film and derived all its poignancy from James Baldwin's simple eloquence. They said I was unqualified to judge the film, that filmmaking is of lesser importance than what the film is saying. I think if I still worked there, lol, LOL, the same conversation would happen, as I still find Peck an only semi-interesting filmmaker who tries to tackle big important issues. If I were getting paid to write about this, I would probably delve deeper into the issue of judging art on the art itself versus judging the politics and how sad it makes me that this conversation has pretty much ended and the debate pretty much decided. <laughs> okay. What I love about it is it's 80% hypotheticals. Right. If that, I still worked at Lincoln Film Center, which changed its name, which is stupid. Yeah. And it shouldn't be sound, made to sound less elitist. And if I was writing, and if I was there to have this conversation, it's like, say what you're going to say. Right. <laughs> I don't need to know your work history, your feelings on like Lincoln Center changing its name. And then like for you to go and be like, he's a semi-interesting filmmaker. Mm -hmm. Right. Critique Please tell me reviewing. more, <laughs> random guy on Letterboxd. <laughs> tell me more about how uninteresting this guy is. Exactly. <laughs> that reads to me a little bit, for some reason, like a review that somebody writes so they can tell people, hey, go look at my Letterboxd review of, because uh, it's terminated all the roots. Exactly. <clears throat> and then one more. Okay. Bjorn Flicks. Watch Concerning Violence in Peck's previous documentary, I Am Not Your Negro. Parentheses. I haven't seen the latter, but I understand that its narration is at least all from Baldwin's writing. End parentheses. But don't waste your time or brain cells with this. And if this is the best documentary you've ever seen, I'm really sorry, for, sorry you haven't seen anything better than this yet. But you're also probably only 15. So you still have time. Parentheses. <laughs> As of this writing, I've only watched the first episode of four. <laughs> is it, is <laughs> Reviews are the worst. I mean, considering how much I use them for everything, it's still just like, man, people are just idiots. It's just the perfect smorgasbord of like, who is watching Exterminate All the Brutes, right? So... It, 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 in my circles, has largely gone unnoticed and uh -huh. un unremarked on. So who is? Oh, it's these pretentious assholes 
who then all have letterboxed boxes so they can jump on there and display like three different ways of just being a complete like arrogant asshole mm. talking about again film that not many people are even talking about yeah you know um i mean i think it does get to a question i had while watching it which i'll say first off I watched the first episode, and I really liked it. With that being said, it is very much um, a mood, as the kids say these days. It's not an easy sit down, let's just throw this thing on. You have to be in the mood, and you have to be like willing to engage it or you probably are going to end up like these letterboxed kids uh but the question i had also was kind of like who is watching not who is watching this but who is this for for who is the audience for this because as someone who aligns with the politics and with the um perspective on history i still found it really difficult to watch and i didn't find anything like again it's just the first episode i didn't get anything particularly new out of it like i thought it was really interesting and i think it's a really great idea to like we touched uh, like we touched on before about the lack of subtlety to be like this is um, white history. There's no, without sugarcoating it, right? This is straight up the brutality of colonization, right? Um, you know, and and then this is not the, uh, the Thanksgiving story mm-hmm. or whatever, you know what I mean? Um, so that's really interesting, that take on it. But at the same time, I guess just from like a meta perspective, like I don't know who is watching that, who doesn't already agree with it. I don't know who doesn't already agree with that perspective is also watching, not watching. You know what I mean? Like, like my, my mom's not going to watch that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like who is this, um, which I, you know, that's not necessarily like an important question, and it's not a question to say like, well, then it doesn't need to be made. It just was something I was thinking about. You know what I mean? Yeah. It, and I, I also don't want to feel like one reason why I pulled these negative reviews is because I I wanted to read somebody who had a take on it, right? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm okay with people being like, this is a bad documentary. Here's why. The problem is. In a lot that I read, it boils down to this. It's just pretentious people yeah. who are trying to have something to say about something that they either haven't seen fully or they want you to know in various ways that they haven't seen other things. And Yeah, I watched this finally and didn't like it or whatever. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, I, again, I'm, I'm not here to say, like, it was the most amazing thing and blah, 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 blah. But the thing that in response to you that also it made me think about. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, were you going to say something? I cut you off. No. Just burping. I was going to say something, but I'll, I can, it can wait. So I, I was just going to say, it's one of the first things that I wrote down here. And it, it basically is that I, one of the issues that this resolved for me, and this is me, again, applying my own analysis and theory and personality to this, work i don't mean to speak for roe peck and i don't know why he made it Mm -hmm. but but to me it strikes me that especially with documentarians we we see them or we meet them independently with each film that they release we don't consider them as a whole person on a journey through their work right yeah And, and, and a lot of times because we don't we, we haven't seen everything, right? Mm-hmm. And we don't know. I don't know Raul Peck. 
but he is an accomplished filmmaker who's made a lot of movies and a lot of movies about like leftist policies about Karl Marx. And stuff. <clears throat> yeah. I think a lot of it is stuff that like my parents would watch. Mm-hmm. Like it's not overtly like aggressive in your faith face. Here's colonization, but like here's a well-told story about this issue or just an interesting story that might be easier to approach for me. I watched this and especially when he put himself in the documentary, mm-hmm. you know, overtly midway through where he's like, why am I putting myself in this? And he kind of addresses it. I got the feeling of like somebody who has been making movies and still has a lot to say that those movies can't say. Yeah. It's like we can watch. My parents have seen even roots. My parents have seen like sure a lot of films about slavery and about colonization they their interaction on that is still at a level a surface level of all i have to do is is acknowledge how awful it is that people had to experience that but i in no way need to reckon with it beyond that you know Mm -hmm. i'm not owning slaves or whatever else and this documentary to me works on a level of like I am not going to make a palatable exploration of colonization. And this space needs more didactic yeah. diatribes. I my history is shaped by this. It pisses me off and it's horrifying. And to see people go around thinking that they've dealt with it in mm-hmm. some ways. And he ties film directly to it, right? Through through film is has to be infuriating. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like I couldn't imagine being a filmmaker and like making all these movies and seeing the needle not move on people's, you know, dealings with colonization. Yeah, that that still is largely not reflectively and and uh, you know thought through mm-hmm. in media and film and stuff like that. So like, yeah, make exterminate all the brutes. <laughs> like, let it out. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear you. Um, and also to that point, which I guess this is just like a taste thing or a preference thing, but I loved the multiple format of the storytelling like (laughs) i I don't know like maybe it's because we've been watching so much of just sort of cut and paste dot like true crime sort of like docu i don't even want to call it documentary but just like you know what i mean like true story stuff uh it i thought it was really interesting the you know the the um autobiographical stuff the reenactment stuff and the and then the like documentary film film stuff all mixed up together the paintings yeah i thought that use. was great and the only thing again that i'll say about it which is not uh dig at all is just that my takeaway at this point of josh hartnett is not that he is a specific historical character he's just the white guy in all the retellings like he's just the face of the white colonizer right yeah so i mean i could see some confusion there maybe if you're just feel like you're lost but even that i feel like there's if you're trying a little bit you can follow that you know what i mean yeah there's enough clues it's not that confusing exactly you jump time periods and um, yeah and and not only that it's like it's like titled. It's like chaptered. It's titled. Like it's not that confusing. You, you can you can follow along pretty easily. Yeah, and and so I, <clears throat> that was my my big take. Where, yep, yeah, this is not a conversion piece. This is not something that you, that's palatable. Yeah, but I do feel like something that people are reacting to is the fact that we haven't reckoned with a lot of this stuff yet and it's coming out now in a way that I think is more challenging, which means like 
that's that's good. You know, if it's easy for you to reckon with the history of slavery, then you haven't reckoned with it. Right. You know, I mean, if you made it through middle school and high school and you're like, yep, Jim Crow, I got it. Mm-hmm. Well, you haven't really got it. And so I embrace the aspect that in media as well, we see these different levels of processing mm-hmm. happening. And I haven't, and I know that it's it, it might be out there, but I haven't seen an Exterminate the Brutes-esque documentary. Like, you know, right. th- there are other documentaries that are very hard to watch that I've seen that address really specific issues and concepts but like exterminate the brutes i i in the first episode i never thought oh well i've i've seen this before right you know what i mean even even though he he's not you know exposing something that i i didn't know Mm -hmm. i think the way that he's doing it is engaging unique and valid in its anger and yeah i I really enjoyed it. Now maybe maybe things will come up in the rest of the episodes, but um but yeah, I, I really liked it. And also I do think um his narration is an adjustment, definitely. Oh yeah, his voice. His voice. <laughs> but then the fact that he puts himself in there is like I, I welcome that. Like, I, yeah. I, I want his voice in there. Sure. Well, it makes sense once you realize it's his voice. Yeah. Right? For the first however many minutes, you're just thinking, like, who is this guy with, like, a bunch of gravel in his throat? Yeah. And then the the, the last thing is it, it just little points come up, and he he hits on them. I think they, they're really good points. Even his quote-unquote PowerPoint stuff, which I'm all about, um, mm-hmm. is really thought out. Like, I looked at his list of, um, like, genocide mm-hmm. on, like, how it happens. Like the And, like, I wanted to pause it so I could talk about it more. But I considered it in the moment, and, and, I, thought, and I'm, I think he's pretty spot on, mm-hmm. you know. And you see that at work in our culture today. Like... If you were a brutalized minority in American history, I could see you looking at the culture today and being scared mm-hmm. again. Because that fear of the other, the kind of propagandist push for American identity of not apologizing for America's past, mm-hmm. you know, like that that would send a clear signal if you if your history was brutalized by the American empire. Yeah. You know? And the the thing that he also brings up is that history preys upon what we want to believe. And so even at the end of the first episode where he brings out, you know, how people want to believe that <clears throat> those who were brutalized were also brutal. Right. Is just a a blind kind of safety rope thrown to people mm-hmm. who just don't want to accept the brutality and the and the brutal history of our country and of the white race. Yeah. You know, if you want to go back into, you know, further and how quickly people are to like swallow that down and how it was fed to me too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, brutal the Native Americans were. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but I mean, still commensurate. Mm-hmm. And then also you do obscure a lot of the people who were brutalized who were long dead by the Mm -hmm. time is what i'm basically saying Mm -hmm. like there are some warring tribes who maybe were even brutal before white people came but there were many more who were not yeah and who are maybe even fighting against those or or were the prey of those brutal nations Mm um who we just yeah, wiped out, wiped out early, and right. we're just like, you know, shut up forever. So. Yeah, K- Killers of the Flower Moon, that book that we talked about not mm-hmm. too long ago, it, it does a really great job of like, you get to hear from the tribe leaders 
as they're being shuffled off their land. Mm -hmm. And you don't hear them being like, we want to kill and destroy you. You just hear them endlessly being like, yeah, give us the land you don't want so you will stop brutalizing us. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. So, yeah. Any wrapping thoughts on... uh well, I mean, I guess to your point, just I just I definitely had the feeling of like I underst I would hope that I could say this as just a person, but I complete am completely one hundred percent acutely aware that I'm saying it as a white person <laughs> yeah. that it is kind of exhausting to watch. It is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um and part of that is because a lot of my political beliefs and a lot of the culture and media that I'm interested in is all along those same lines. And it is a lot of um, like recalibrating the white perspective, you know? So I've been getting a lot of I've gotten a lot of, you know, media about how terrible white people are over the past several many years, which is well earned, you know, but it is also kind of exhausting. Yeah. And so there's a part of me that, yeah, when we put it on to watch with Julia, who's obviously not white, um, but even she was kind of like, because she's listening to all the same stuff, it just was exhausting. So we're mm-hmm. kind of like, yeah, just give me the... The, uh, you know, cliff notes. Give me the sweet stuff. Give me the dateline. <laughs> give me the straight up brutality. Give me, me twenty twenty. I just want straight up, you know, husband kills wife and <laughs> right. kids and throws them in the backyard. Yeah, you the, know, give me a format. I, I just need give me thirty seconds of Lester Holt to throw to the show. Give me a couple commercial breaks. Put me in bed. Yeah. Yeah. No, but I mean, I, again, to me, that goes back to like the reckoning with, yeah. you know, that, that, that is, I'm, I'm struck by the fact that I watched a lot of, you know, movies and read a lot of books about racial issues. Mm-hmm. Some more thoughtful than others. Some wit- written by white men, like a time to kill John Grisham, mm-hmm. you know, and, Mississippi burning, you mm-hmm. know, glory and roots. And um you I've you, never seen any of those. See, you well, <laughs> but, but I mean here's the thing, right? You get it in your head that you've reckoned with it. Oh man, I've seen it. Twelve Years a Slave. Right. Oh man, I've seen it. <clears throat> Brutal. But I watched it and I've accepted it and I'm good to go mm-hmm. and then you watch like exterminate the brutes and you're like oh this isn't about <laughs> one time period mm-hmm. this isn't about you know america it's not even about me mm-hmm. it's about the history mm-hmm. of domination and extermination mm-hmm. that when i look at in in segments i pat myself on the back because i watched Schindler's List, or even Shoah, I've encountered Nazis and their brutality, and I've thought about it and read about it. Mm-hmm. And then Exterminate the Brutes comes and says, like, yeah, that that was the Holocaust. Yeah. Okay. Now, going back a few, you know, 100 more years, look at the Crusades. Look at mm-hmm. Conquistadors. Right. Look at Native Americans. Look at... All of this extermination on a mass level. And I realized I haven't I haven't reckoned. You, like and and you you can't ever reckon with right, it. Right. You know, yeah. it's not like a finished or a finishing work. It's an ongoing revelation yeah. of that brutality. Right. Well it feels yeah, it feels like it's about those things, but then it's also about the continual denial of it. By, you know, certain politically leaning demographics. 
And even, you know, even not, I guess. Yeah. In 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 the in the passive acceptance of that reality, again, without reckoning like, yeah, America's bad. Right. But, you know, it's like, mm, yeah. Like, no, I don't think that you if that's if that if you feel like you're done. Yeah. You know what I mean? Then that then you're not maybe that's who this is for. If you if you feel glad that you have like posters on your wall of glory or Mississippi burning right or you make sure that your African American <laughs> literature books are front and center I mean, did you have posters of glory in Mississippi burning when you're a kid? I can't even imagine walking no. into a house that would have those. Up. Well, I did. I did own those movies, and those were prominently displayed. Yeah, I mean on that's my, fine, but love. I feel like love putting them. a poster up of is it another level? Oh, of course, yeah, yeah. But you know, just those signaling. Yeah, you know, yeah, I hear you. Like uh, some of these people who seem to have watched parts of it and then reviewed on Letterboxd, they actually. They were the audience and they missed it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, what does that look like though? Like, I guess I, I've heard things about how Germany handles their, their history, history yeah. you know, obviously with like the Nazi stuff. And like, is that what we're talking about? I guess I don't have specific examples outside of just stuff that I've heard that I never took the time to verify if it's true, but just, you know, did you see that video? There's like a viral video going around about a, a school district that's like incorporating a critical race theory in one of their classes. It sounds familiar, but there's I don't know what critical race white, theory is. Well, they, there's this white lady who's like, just because I don't want critical race theory taught in my school <laughs> doesn't mean I'm racist. Damn it. Yeah. <laughs> she's just... Losing it, you know, yeah, because yeah. she's not a racist, but she's also against any kind of deeper, deeper analysis yeah. of history and racial issues. And it's like, again, everybody runs to every, I, I do think the problem, because what you hear again and, and again, right, is the refrain of, I'm not a racist. You know, how many times have you heard that as a, as a defense against yeah. people. And and it's like saying that you haven't reckoned with something or that you might be ignorant about something regarding race mm -hmm. is not calling you a racist. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't think that a lot of these people making this content would look at you and be like, you're a racist. Mm-hmm. I think they might say you're ignorant mm -hmm. of what we're talking about here, but guess what you are? You're ignorant of the stuff they're talking about. Yeah. You know what I mean? And like, it feels good to admit that and to say that, and it's okay to say that, you know, like I will never understand this stuff on at the level that Raul Peck will. Right. You know, I, I, yeah. I can't encounter his experience and, you know, we, we talked about it before we have children and, um, they're mixed, you know, my, my son, he looks Asian mm -hmm. and got called Chinese boy on the bus in like first grade and mm -hmm. got made fun of by other kids because he looks like he's from China, which he doesn't, <laughs> <Right>. and, <laughs> you know, and, and, and I talked to him recently about it and it's like, yeah, on a fundamental level, like I never had to experience that. You right. Know, I'm, yeah, I'm ignorant. Yeah. And that's okay. Like I don't have to know and understand and everyone's experience. I can't, you know, but mm -hmm. to be able to listen and converse about it, like that should be the goal, mm -hmm. you know? And crying because a new curriculum is getting introduced doesn't seem like a a response of curiosity. Oh, yeah, sure. It seems like yeah. a fear and defensiveness. Yeah. Um, do you want to talk about the last episode of Mayor of Easttown? You know it. <clears throat> I wrote a few observations down. Okay. First off, what did you think of the episode? Uh, it was... I think I'm 
Oh, I think I'm ready for them to wrap it up already. Yeah. <laughs> it is, it's definitely for me, maybe just specifically with the mayor character getting a little too close to the misery porn of how just terrible her life is, how everybody hates her. Her son killed himself. She hasn't reconciled with it. She then has her daughter-in-law kind of be like, your son hated you. He always hated you. Blah, blah. It's just like, okay, like she's a miserable person. I get it. Like, yeah. Or like, it wasn't it this episode where Guy Pierce is like, you know, we're a good mom. She's like, no, no, I wasn't. Yeah. And yeah, you realize you're like, oh, they, they think that's an interesting take here. Right. Yeah, you think uh, you've only seen stories of the grieving, loving mom? Well, here's a grieving, not good mom. Yeah, and at the same time, they've they've never really shown or given me any reason to think that she's like a bad person. Like, she's been grumpy, and that's kind of it. Like, she's been grumpy, and so far it seems like she was kind of paralyzed by these nebulous symptoms that their son had, and she just didn't know what to do about it. Mm -hmm. And that was, that's been her two big character flaws so far. (laughs) It's kind of like, well, uh. Yeah, that that came to a head when she argued with her mom, and they they played the scene out to the point where I was like, well, I guess the mom is moving out, and like the next day the mom is just like, Hey man, yeah, they're and, screaming and they're, f you at each other. Yeah, and then the next day they're like talking, and you're like, yeah, you you can't like that to me shows that balance that you're trying to walk with this character. And it, I'll give them cray on the fact that they're trying to give you a different, you know, kind of hard boiled, yeah, tough detective like sad sack detective, but you can't walk the line the way that they are, where it's like, look at this fun eclectic family, and then look at this broken woman mm. because I just don't think that the family would be even as accommodating and accepting of her as they are. Yeah. Or like Guy Pierce even like, yeah, it's a, to me, it's a very like scatter shot. I'm waiting for them to like coalesce some stuff now because I feel like they're still spreading out. They're still like setting up. They're still like organizing the pieces. And I'm like, no, yeah, you guys should be moving into check by this point. Like, yeah. I you got to have some focus here. Yeah. Um, did it make you nervous when the mom sat on the banister? I thought she was going to fall. Yes, exactly. As soon as she got there, it's like, oh, she's going to she's going to fall over. Something's going to happen. <laughs> she's going to fall over, and like Guy Pierce is going to have to. I don't know what's going on here. Why is she sitting on that banister? Exactly. Why is this old old woman sitting on like a second floor stair banister? Yeah. <laughs> And, and it, it was one of those things that you're like, either that's terrible blocking or like, there's no way that an old woman would do that right. that many times. Like, it's like so she like bizarre. Goes, it's like, that's her perch. Yeah. And it's like, no, she would <laughs> No one would do that. Yeah. Um, yeah. That was, so yeah, this episode is called Enter Number Two. Okay. I think, right? All right. So here's some quick thoughts. Okay. We used to do this. For like leftovers, yeah. Like. Uh, funnest game of Trivial Pursuit ever, apparently. When she goes oh, over right. to confront yeah. her ex, uh-huh. he's like <laughs> dying laughing. I remember I was like, oh, and then like a Trivial Pursuit right. card shoots up in frame. I was like, <laughs> he refused Trivial to be Pursuit. Interrupted. Yeah, and then he refused to leave. He couldn't be pulled away from this, uh, from this game of Trivial Pursuit. Yeah. Um, why would you lie about getting groceries? For the dead girl? Okay, exactly. That was the other thing I was going to bring up. Because if I'm remembering correctly, in the first episode, doesn't the dead girl tell her friend, I have a secret to tell you, but you can't tell anybody else? Yeah. And then the friend goes and tells somebody else's mom the secret. And the secret is that the teacher is the father. So it's worded, it's worded, because that's why I thought, too, then it the reveal happened. I think I went back and watched the end. The word is, I don't know for sure, but I think the father is 
this person. So they want the, the cliffhanger they want you to believe is she was told this information. She knows it, but she doesn't know. She doesn't know what the secret is. She's speculating, and her speculation is he's the father. See, but I could have sworn that the missing girl or the dead girl in the first episode tells her, I have a secret to tell you. Right, but, but I think the idea is that she never told the secret. The girl was primed for a secret and then interpreted, oh, he's the father mm-hmm. because he got her groceries. Yeah, but I did call it when I said to you off air that it was too early in the series for the father to be the actual yeah. father. And we won't address how wrong I got the uh, yeah. flashbacks. Right, really. sure. <laughs> um, also, when Mare asks for a DNA sample uh-huh. from the from the boy who's now paralyzed. Right. Well, no, not paralyzed. He's no, he's, no, he's not paralyzed, yeah. Um, the dad goes... He'll never walk again. And the only thing I could think of is, does he not know how easy it is to get DNA? <laughs> like it has nothing to do with, with his... walking. It's, yeah, it has nothing to do with walking, and it, will, it won't disrupt him at all. Yeah. It's literally like a mouth swap. Yeah. <laughs> It'll probably be easier if he can't move. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The whole time they were... I was like, what's the big deal? Get your DNA. Are you kidding me? Like... Yeah. Pluck a hair. Right. And then swab his cheek. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, no, he just got shot twice in the back. There should be plenty of his DNA everywhere in the hospital. <laughs> Go pick a leaf. <laughs> Test it. Um, what is the band stuff and what is the documentary? Yeah. What, what, what are we doing the, with the band? The band stuff. Yeah. The documentary stuff is very... Like, that's one thing that I have noticed is there, like, is just, uh, this is not a commentary on, like, how bad or good it is, I guess, but it, I do pick up a lot on, like, oh, they're just doing, this is kind of a clever way to tell more of the backstory without having two characters just be like, my son killed himself. I know, I was there. Blah, 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 blah. He sent I mean? me a video of his feet in the <laughs> ocean. <laughs> right. So the documentary is very much uh, is obviously just them being like, all right, here's their backstory without like making like exposition out of it, I guess. At the same time, I was like waiting for her to reveal something. It's like, here's a video yeah, that he sent. And it's I'm just like, backstory. Is stuff. the video going to mean something or the band stuff? Who knows? That very much feels to me like you were talking about with the boy from the woods where it just is like, we need to get some diversity in here so let's do some lesbian stuff <laughs> well it, it made me think like is it it felt very like middle-aged man humor uh-huh yeah they get a big break they go on college radio and she's oh, huge yeah, she, yeah they had too many edibles yeah and it's like am i supposed to be like laughing right. or am i supposed to be like is that going anywhere? <laughs> Why am I watching this band yeah. play on like in not play on college right. radio? Yeah. With yeah, like again, this character too, they introduce like the 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 daughter who's just like insanely just happy to have this band there because because she just her personality is basically just like listen, you're always happy. You're never ruffled. <laughs> Somebody pukes. Did the band perform? Right. I don't know. Yeah. But you're okay. You're always happy. You just want to be with this girl. And I, I, that frustrated me because I was like, that's stupid. Sucks. Um. Okay. I laughed. Oh, I just closed the document. I laughed out loud, though. Um. They did get me. I laughed out loud twice. Okay. Which is maybe why the episode is called enter number two because they knew <laughs> yeah they knew you're get, they're getting two laughs from you okay the first one laughed out loud when the finger was revealed yes <laughs> so did i yep just like cuts and there's a bag and with a the finger, finger <laughs> yep i just thought like the big lebowski I'm like dude i could get your toe right with polish yeah <laughs> uh laugh number two was when the kid looked over at the old lady and half his face was painted. 
Yeah. Do you remember? He has like yes. a normal face and then he turns and looks and, and half his face is like yeah. black. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What was that? And then, yeah, just like, again, like the old couple and the kid and she's like always calling Mare over. Again, I'm like, yeah, what am I doing with this? Am I like laughing? Am I knee slapping at this? Right. Like, I oh, just love that old couple. Get them yeah. back. They, they fight so funny. Yeah. So what was the point of her deleting the footage? Of the kids spray painting the woman's titties. She just on didn't want to deal with it. Mm. it, it <clears throat> I took it as her just being like, I don't have time for this. I'm not interested in holding a little kid accountable for a. Now I'm waiting for them to be brutally murdered in the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> just, and now she's responsible for deleting the footage. For, for deleting yeah. footage. Um, uh, yeah. So, what did you think? Something else I was going to say. What did you think of the end? So the episode ends with her. She's planted the drugs on her stepdaughters. Blah, 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 blah. And now she's gotten caught and she's been suspended. I pretty much hated everything from her going into evidence. Uh-huh. Taking out the heroin packets. Uh-huh. Which, again, you're just like, you know not to do that. Like, like, yeah. are we really doing this? And and you've shown her as being like a competent, yeah. That's you know, what I was going to say. Officer, it seems pretty hard to believe within their own established universe where she's tracked down the stray bullet from like yes, the soffit the on the church being dinged, and now the bolts on the tree too. Hey, I'm going to take these literally branded, branded heroin, heroin packets. packets. And plant them on somebody and leave the branding on. Yeah. And I mean, then, I, I, that was definitely a big goof, but yeah, it, I didn't, I don't mind the story going in that direction. I, I, as a writer, when you write, okay, she plants the heroin, mm -hmm. literally you, you, you wet the tip of your pen <laughs> and the very next thing you write is, her boss immediately knows it's her. <laughs> That's true. You know what I mean? Like, then, then maybe go back and can can we do something else up there? Like, like yeah. she literally did something where her boss immediately drives to her house right. to fire her. It's so obvious it's her. He doesn't even have to like have a conversation. Yeah. He calls her on the rain. He's like, "Mayor, you know I'm here. You did something so stupid." <laughs> You did something so stupid. There's literally no explanation except for you doing it. I can't spin it in any way. Everyone knows it was you. You're you're the laughing stock of the office. Someone already made a mug of you. You know exactly, man. It's just it's just so lazy. And then from that to like, what's the what's the next scene? Okay, she goes to a bar, and she encounters a drunk. You know, well, that, happened, that happened before all that. No, because she's like, I, I oh, she, yeah, because that's when she pulls the packet out and decides that she's going to go through with it. Well, no, yeah, what, what I'm saying is the order she stole it, then she went to the bar, yeah, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, she steals it. I hate, I hate that. Mm -hmm. She goes to the bar. I doubly hate it because, again, what are we doing? Mm -hmm. They're not going to be romantic interests. Yeah, that's not the setup. Yeah, and so let's just what, how long was that scene? It yeah. felt like 10 minutes. It was minutes. very long. And uh, yeah, that also, again, it is it is so scattershot because it's like, all right, we're getting all of the miserable crank stereotypes in on this character. Oh, but she's also secretly somehow desired by all the men in the town. And she's also like a star athlete. <laughs> you know what I mean? She hit that shot. She goes back for the reward 25 years later. Like, who is this character? Yeah, the the adding the 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 out the uh outsider detective being attracted to her is definitely another layer that the show absolutely did not did, need. did not need yeah and he wasn't like fun. like i even like that that actor 
He wasn't funny. Yeah. He wasn't like, he didn't reveal anything. And she still goes and does the dumb thing anyway. Yeah. So I watched 10 minutes of her thinking about and being interrupted in her thought process to just go plant the drugs anyway. Yeah. You know, that, that to me is just like, see, for me, I'm not looking forward to the yelling match with her mom. Mayor, what were you thinking? <laughs> mom, lay off. Her daughter being like, I'm so disappointed in you, yeah. mom. And her ex-husband being like, see, my DNA cleared me. I yeah. just wanted to lie to you about giving her groceries. Yeah. It's like, what do you, like, come on, man. Yeah. It, it, what are you doing? So either pull this all together and make me go like, oh, wow. They, they used to have some stuff that I was not seeing. Yeah. Or... Concluding the way that we know that you are, Guy Pierce is the killer for some reason. Yeah. And, you know, Mare gets some shred of redemption at the end. Yeah. My two front runners, Guy Pierce, 1A, 1B, the DJ. The yeah. lesbian DJ that the who's daughter just happy, just, met. just yep. like, because why else is she in the story? You know, you know what you're you're employing there. You're employing the fake psychopath test. What's that? Do, do you remember that? The, no. the the test is, um, how's it go? A lady, um, or a person, uh-huh. um, meets somebody that or sees somebody they're attracted to, at a funeral for their at their like mother's funeral. Okay, or something. and. Before they can introduce themselves, that person leaves. Okay. A few weeks later, they kill their sibling. Why? And you're supposed to ask, or this was supposedly asked of psychopaths who all agreed on the same answer Mm -hmm. and all answered quickly and unequivocally. Like they, they knew immediately that the answer was because they wanted to meet the person again. If the person came uh, to the okay. funeral of their mother, then they would definitely come to the funeral of their sibling. Uh, that then was proven to be fake. It's, <laughs> not, right. not, it's not a real psychopath uh, test. Yeah, sure. Um, but you're using the same logic, which is this DJ wanted to get close to the... Um, Oh right, the daughter to to, to the daughter Shibboleth or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> I just I just realized that I got it confused that her brother committed suicide wasn't murdered, so then it doesn't right. make sense. <laughs> it doesn't make sense either way. It doesn't make sense either way. <laughs> okay, so oh, you have I, a I, two? I did have two follow ups actually. What happened to the dad that shot the boy? He's in jail. <laughs> Who cares? He's just kind of disappeared. And then what has happened to the dad who was following around a detective and b- destroying her property? Uh, he threw a gallon of milk through yeah. the window. So what happened to him? He's been gone the past two episodes. He's just given up, I guess. He threw his milk and he found that his rage. I guess he was satisfied, was satisfied. by that. <laughs> um, All right. I was going to give my, my, so Guy Pierce okay. is 1A. Okay. One B for me is this is all a dream and Mare's in a coma mm. and um, she's going to wake up from her coma and be somehow on the basketball court. She just <laughs> hit the shot and right. she got concussed and got concussed <laughs> by the, by the rush of people. Yeah. And now she's, She's devoting her life to not turning out like that. Mm. Future her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, you know, listen, the show hasn't shown me anything, given me any hope. Mm-hmm. It's watchable. Kate Winslet's good. Yeah, exactly. It's, it's watchable. It's watchable. Kate Winslet's good. But my God, when you actually pull these pieces out and look at them individually, yeah, you just go, how how can I get paid to write? Or this? maybe maybe it's another case of because we're looking at it one episode at a time, and then once you get to the end, everything will make sense. The beautiful tapestry right will, will be revealed. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, before we go, yeah, I I do want to do like an in depth 
television show review. Okay. I already threw one option out to you that I think you shot down. 1899. Look that up. All right. It's it coming on like Netflix. Another period piece. This um this month, eighteen ninety-nine. All right. It's a TV show. Mm-hmm. Have you watched or heard anything about the new Apple show with Justin Thoreau? No. I just saw a trailer for it right before something we were watching. So I thought we might start that, but I haven't heard anything what's about it. What, what's the genre? I don't know. Uh, Wait, you watched a trailer and you don't even... No. no. You're, the, you're the guy who classically got a weird vibe from The Sound of Metal <laughs> trailer and thought it was supernatural. Um, Justin Thoreau show... Come on. Why is it? Apple TV. Having trouble spelling his last name? The Mosquito Coast. Oh, okay. A radical idealist uproots his family from Mexico after the they suddenly find themselves on the run from the U.S. government. Is that based on the... Um, there's a movie, right? Yeah. I don't know. Um, yeah, there's a typo in Google, a radical, like this is what it really says. I fixed it. A radical idealist uproots his family from Mexico after they suddenly finds themselves (laughs) on the run from the U S government. 7.6 on IMDb, 48% on Rotten Tomatoes. The, the movie, the show. Oh, the show's out. There's two episodes out. Or maybe there's only two episodes. Okay. No, only two episodes are out. There are seven episodes. One of the episodes is called Elvis Jesus Coca-Cola. Do you have Apple TV? Um, I think I'm sitting on a free trial. Yeah. yeah. We got like a year free somehow. Really? Yeah. All those... um leftist political beliefs are paying off <laughs> yeah all right okay anything else uh no it's a very aggressive move in the world of goats <laughs> all right well bye bye